Hello and welcome to Bite-Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I'm Nick, your host. Did you know that Sweden had a short-lived colony in the New World? It's true. When we talk about colonial history, uh, you know, tall sailing ships leaving Europe during the Age of Discovery, the Age of Exploration, so the 1500s, 1600s, setting up colonies across the Atlantic and the New World, a few countries immediately spring to mind. You know, we think of Great Britain, France, Portugal, Spain, places like that. Uh, not often do we run into any mention of Sweden actually having a colony in the New World. But they did, um, and it was in the area of the modern U.S. states of Delaware, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, but Delaware especially. So today on Bite Size History, let's take a look at Naya Sveriga, New Sweden. Our story begins in 1637 with King Gustavus Adolphus of Sweden. He had uh, come to realize that uh, a lot of European powers were setting up colonies in the New World and he wanted to get into the action as well. Now there was a uh, group of powerful merchants that formed the New Sweden Company and they got the blessing of the king. So in 1637, there were two ships called the Kalmar Nickel and the Fogel Grip. They set sail from Sweden uh, late in the year, and they only had about 25 people on them. Like, that's a tiny amount to try to set up a new colony. They did make it to the New World, and um, they dropped anchor in Delaware Bay on March 29th, uh, 1638. So if you look at a modern map of the United States, you look at uh, Delaware, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, there's a body of water that kind of enters the continent. And that's called Delaware Bay. Now, there are two rivers up there, um, like as you go inland, the Brandywine River and the Christina River. And where they meet, the Swedes um, dropped anchor, went ashore, and founded Fort Christina, Fort Christina, named after Queen Christina of Sweden. And this fort is uh, actually a historical site, and it was located approximately a mile you know, one and a half kilometers east of present-day downtown Wilmington, Delaware. Um, and it was about two miles or three kilometers um, upstream from the mouth of the Christina River on the Delaware River. So that's kind of where we are in our story right now. It's spring of 1638. A bunch of uh, settlers kind of disembark from these ships, these two ships, about 25 people in total. The expedition itself was headed by Peter Minuit, and he was a Dutch explorer. And he had recently kind of won fame and acclaim in Europe because he was the guy that um, landed on Manhattan Island on behalf of the Dutch and traded with the natives and kind of arranged the uh, the purchase of Manhattan um, for, the, for the Dutch, kind of trading goods and stuff like that. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> the European purchase of Manhattan that I would definitely encourage you to look into, but um, it's kind of out of the scope of today. But that's all you need to know. The two ships, the 25 settlers, spring of 1638, and this Dutch guy uh, who's in charge of the whole thing. So what were the Swedish explorers most interested in? Um, 
Kind of a long story short, the goods that they wanted to trade for the most were furs and tobacco. Tobacco smoking had uh, taken hold in Europe by this point, and furs, um, which any student of American and Canadian colonial history will know that uh, the fur trade played a huge role in the early development of these countries. So yeah, they were looking for furs and tobacco. Now, in 1638, uh, Peter Minuit decides to go back to Europe, but uh, he has some things to do in the Caribbean first. And then when he's leaving the Caribbean, his ship gets caught in a horrible storm and he dies. The colony kind of survived for a few years, mostly on trading for food from the local natives and getting whatever they couldn't get from them from uh, nearby Dutch and British settlers. So by this point, if you go north of the new, like the colony of New Sweden, you had uh, New Netherlands, which is the Dutch, and there were also kind of the, the British around. Uh, by this point, the, the British were already um, in um, Virginia. I should say English, actually. Uh, the Jamestown colony had already been established. So New Sweden was kind of between these two uh, settlements. Um, Eventually, in 1643, there was this huge Swedish military officer called Johan Prince. And the reason why I say this guy was huge is because he was like big and he had a big personality, but he was also physically huge. Um, I've seen in the sources that this guy was like 400 pounds, which especially in the 17th century was, was absolutely massive and he was very tall. Uh, as I saw in one of the accounts that uh, the local natives knew him as Big Belly, um, but you know, who knows, right? Um, after he arrived in 1643, they reinforced Fort Christina and then established two more forts uh, on the Delaware River, Fort Elfsborg and Fort New Gothenburg. And they traded more and more with the local natives and began to experiment with growing their own uh, food and tobacco crops using like a large farm or plantation system. Now, what's interesting is that uh, some of the colonists didn't even come from Sweden. Some of them came from Finland. So there's kind of a Finnish influence. New Sweden is credited with introducing um, a branch of Protestant Christianity to what would later become the United States. That is to say Lutherans. Uh, Lutheran is kind of a... It's kind of like a type of Protestant Christianity that, that's really big in Scandinavia. Uh, one thing I, I ran into again and again during the research was New Sweden is credited with introducing the kind of stereotypical pioneer log cabin to the Americas. Like that kind of log cabin where the corners are made of like interlocking timbers. Um, it's just like a very classic design and it was popular in Scandinavia because you could make it with raw timbers and it has sloped roof uh, for snowfall, stuff like that. Now eventually... <laughs> The years came and went, and uh, the Swedes had trouble attracting people to the colony. So sometimes they would resort to forcing criminals, uh, you know, as a sentence to be banished from Sweden and to the colonies to boost the population there. Even military deserters, some of them were forced to go live in the colonies. But from what I've seen, um, the colony's population never really exceeded 200 or so because and there was just no interest in uh leaving sweden like back in sweden kind of the the new world fever didn't really catch on in the same way that it did in some of these other countries so it's it's kind of like you have the years coming and going and around you you know way up in in new france you have the french settling and then in new netherlands you have the dutch settling 
Then in Virginia and stuff, you have the English settling. And then in the New World, places like uh, Mexico and Florida, like you have the Spanish. And then like kind of sandwiched in there on the Delaware Bay, you just have this tiny little Swedish colony that's, uh, you know, it's like a single candle just like flickering in the wind trying to survive. Um, we're going to get to what <laughs> what led to kind of the, the downfall, if you want to use that word, uh, of New Sweden in a minute. Okay, so where did trouble begin for New Sweden? It actually uh, did not come from local native tribes, in case that's what you were wondering. It's interesting, like the early settlement of the Americas by Europeans, um, relationships with the local natives were not always hostile. Like sometimes they were neutral, sometimes they were actually friendly and beneficial. Sometimes the natives would kind of uh, try to play the Europeans off each other. So there was kind of like a whole spectrum of the nature of the interaction between these, these early European settlers and the local natives. Um, the point I wanted to make is that the biggest problem for New Sweden was actually the Dutch to the north. Um, in 1647, there was a, a Dutchman named Peter Stuyvesant, a very famous name in New York City, New York State. Uh, I think there's even a neighborhood in Brooklyn uh, named after him. Uh, he was he took over kind of the colony of uh, New Netherlands and started putting the boot down on local competition from Swedish settlers and traders and merchants and stuff like that. It kind of heated up and heated up until 1651. The Dutch built a fort um, only a few miles away from Fort Christina, and it was called Fort Casimir. And then finally, this this huge remember how I said uh, the New Sweden colony was this huge guy Johan Prince. Well, he decides to step down in 1653 and go back to Sweden. And his replacement was this guy called Johan, another Johan, Johan Riesing or Rising. Uh, he arrived the following year with a bunch of new settlers. Uh, I've seen several hundred, so they had really never had that many people until this point. Riesing, I guess, kind of wanted to preemptively strike at the Dutch. So he goes uh, with a bunch of militia and seizes Fort Casimir, which the Swedes renamed Fort Trinity. And that kind of, in hindsight, that kind of led to the collapse of the new Sweden colony. Because uh, in 1655, Stuyvesant retaliate, retaliates and he gets a fleet of seven ships and several hundred troops, and they sail up the Delaware River. They surrounded Fort Trinity and kind of forced the Swedes, who were grossly outnumbered and undergunned, forced them to surrender Fort Casimir and Fort Christina as well, and a bunch of other like little Swedish trading posts and outposts and stuff on the Delaware River. And this was in 1655, so if you do your math, like 1655, colony started in 1638. This is kind of the end point in history. They only lasted 17 years because the Dutch, when when they seized all these things, they didn't return them. They, they were just like, well, this is ours now. So that's kind of the end of New Sweden as an independent um, entity, political entity. Now, you know, keep in mind, a little bit later on, the Dutch and the English would actually fight a war that, because they had a lot of competition in the mid 17th century. And the Dutch would actually lose New Netherlands uh, to the English. And that included the stuff they had taken from the Swedes. 
and this became known as New York, like the colony of New York. They they renamed it from New Netherlands to New York. There's lots of evidence of Dutch habitation in the names and stuff today in New York, uh, in New York City, New York State. Uh, but there still are remnants of there's like little clues of New Sweden everywhere. You know the fact that. Some of the rivers around there are named a certain thing. The Fort Christina site is still around. And um, in 1938, the, the state of Delaware and the government of the United States actually had like a pretty big ceremony to commemorate the uh, 300-year anniversary of the founding of New Sweden. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt met with Crown Prince Gustav Adolf, Crown Princess Louise, and Prince Bertel. And they had a whole ceremony and all that stuff. And they laid a plaque and... Uh, it was kind of like a, a memorial to, um, well, maybe not a memorial, a monument to Swedish Americans, uh, because this region, I did read one source that said as late as the 1750s, so like a hundred years after New Sweden had disappeared as an independent colony, uh, travelers to the region said that you still could hear some local families speaking Swedish. So that's kind of interesting, just like how long, you know, like, in that time period, a hundred years, that's, that's like three generations. But, uh, so yeah, that's pretty much the end is the colony suffered from a lack of funds, investment, uh, manpower, uh, shipping resources, stuff like that. The Dutch to the North were just like way more numerous, well-funded, well-equipped. And after a short 17 year kind of competition between the two colonies, things got out of hand and the Dutch went south and just kind of seized everything. Uh, now, keep in mind, you might think like, oh, well, that's insane. Like, why didn't the Netherlands go to war with Sweden then? Sometimes that happened and sometimes it didn't. So in a lot of the colonial wars between like France and Britain, yes, the colonies would get involved. But the two, the two governments of these two countries actually didn't go to war with each other because the, the sovereignty, the kind of uh, the ownership of the colonies was actually between two trading companies. And that's something I found very interesting when I was researching this is in this time period, it was actually possible for like two trading companies, which may be partially or even fully funded by the crown to fight each other but almost remain independent um, and not like drag in their countries. So that was, I found that super interesting. Fort Christina, which was essentially the beating heart of New Sweden, uh, the kind of center of the colony, was designated a national historical landmark in 1961. And then later on, several decades later, in 2014, it um, it became the first state national historical park, and that included Fort Christina. So that's kind of the nature of how it is, how it still exists today, how it's being preserved. If you wanted to look up, you know, how can I visit this? Um, another thing I wanted to mention was uh, just in case you're curious, I looked up uh, the local native tribes that I talked about earlier. So kind of like who did the Swedes actually deal with? And the two names I came across were the Susquehannock tribe, which I believe there may be uh, a river in Pennsylvania named after them or other landmarks in the area, and the Lenape tribe, the Lenape tribe, uh, which I always thought was pronounced uh, Lenape or uh, Lenape or something, but apparently it's Lenape. And they, and they still exist to this day in, in small numbers. 
So uh, just two more interesting things I wanted to throw at you. In any case, this has been Bite Sized History, the show where I try to make history fun, fast, and interesting. I was Nick, your host. Listener mail can be sent to bitesizedhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, tell your friends, leave a review on iTunes, the whole works. Thank you so, so much for listening. Goodbye.